Hello friends and welcome. It's today. It's right now. In fact, it's my bloody birthday. How about that? And it's time for me to talk. And it's a little ironic to say something like it's time for me to talk because I've been living the last seven years in a very clear state of presence after having done years of work towards that without that being the actual ultimate goal, but it being part and parcel of a secondary goal, something I believe every human on the planet shares, and that is just the willingness, the desire, to be yourself, through and through, for no reason, with no excuses. I've known what that feels like for a long, long time now, and that's why I'm here speaking. I've got years of audio saved up, too many books to count, although I do have a rough count of how many books will be coming out in the following years, but it all starts with my true story. And that begins right now with an origin story. Why the heck am I here? Who the heck am I to be talking about these things? Why does it matter? Well, first off, let me tell you that I'm just another human being on this planet. Something special has happened, and I've made something special happen, but there's nothing extra special about it. There's nothing superhuman about it. There's not even anything overly enlightening about it. You see, I was never on an overt spiritual journey. I never had it at the forefront of my mind to be attached to that idea. And that's key and fundamental to where I've gotten. Not having attached to anything in particular while still keeping honest, keeping on track, and holding myself in check with regard to ego, and tr thus learning to transcend it. And that's the biggest part of the story. So in this inaugural podcast here, I am just going to give you an over overview, a fairly quick one, because believe me, I've got a lot to say and a lot of detail to add, because I know from all my studies, inner studies and outer studies corroborating what all of this awareness, awakeness, enlightenment, self-actualization, self-realization. It doesn't really need a label in the end, and that's where you can see from my journey a very easy, practical, pragmatic way to assess the world inside you as compared to the world outside you and how to negotiate it so that you can feel at peace with yourself. No stress, no anxiety, no depression, no need even for excess thinking, sometimes and often no real thinking at all. All this while understanding that the mind works. It's a fantastic device. It is part and parcel of what a human being is. And that will require a very deep explanation that I haven't heard elsewhere. Breaking it down and just telling the story. How did humans get to be this way? Why? What are the benefits of being a human being with both a very highly specific self-conscious mind, but also with a self-conscious mind within our self-conscious mind, this little thing called ego, which uh, should be a very small part of us, but at the moment in society, it sure isn't, and that's evidenced by the state of humanity. Not to be confused with the state of the world, because I want to remind people, the world's doing quite fine in general. If it has any rebalancing to do, it's because of our inherent problems as a species, challenges more aptly. 
and you'll see that there's an explanation for all that comes from ego and the collateral damage to the world around and to the world within, individually and collectively, because of this disconnect. And so I'll take you through a brief overview of my journey. When I was very young, my mom tells me, and I remember feeling very calm, very quiet, very secure. I am the third born of three. My brother and sister are six and seven years older. And so I spent much of my youth at home with my mom. While they were in school, dad was at work, and I was just there. Of course, that's how it should be. Life is good. All your basic needs are taken care of. Definitely was loved. My mom and I had and have a good rapport. And so I enjoyed that. And I have touch points of remembering enjoying that, of being very happy-go-lucky, not making much sound or much noise or speaking a whole heck of a lot, and not having to. Then at some point, of course, I went to school. You have to go to school. And I remember being introduced at school as uh, shy. You know, my mom, don't know the exact words, but would have said something along the lines of, oh, here's Stevie, he's shy. Um, and I remember thinking about it. And that's one of the first times I remember actively thinking. And this would have been a sign and symptom of my mind doing what the human self-conscious mind does. It makes something out of something. It compartmentalizes this word and relates it. And so I became shy. I became abysmally shy for at least another 20 years. Now during that time, while I did have a lot of anxiety, stress, problems actually relating on a day-to-day -day basis with a lot of things in the world around me, from school to friends to sports groups, you know, I was good at a lot of things. I did well at a lot of things. I wasn't 100% shy 100% of the time. I was in my comfort zone very often, at home, on my own, with one or two friends. And yet, when I was aware that I was being the focus of anything or attention, I usually shut down. And I did not enjoy that. And yet I knew that I didn't want to be shy. So, this is going to be a bigger story to tell later. How I was aware and how I was able to analyze what was going on inside and link it to the psychology of being human, the spirituality of being alive, and how to negotiate that and eventually transcend it completely because uh, here I am. I can speak to you, I can speak to anyone, anywhere, anytime uh, without any ego, without any self-awareness, self-consciousness, sorry, hopefully self-awareness. See? Humans make little mistakes. It's all good. And yet it affected my life quite deeply to the point where I thought uh, I didn't know how I was going to actually navigate a human adult life at some point. I was quite scared of how I was going to make a decision about a career, about partners, about um, anything and everything that I saw you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do to be a successful human in the world. Yeah, it was pretty serious. But, as I was saying, within that, I had a lot of good times. When I was playing sports, when I was making jokes and being funny, um, I quite like entertaining people, being clever with words, and it's always been like that, and it always will be like that. Because that's the way it should be. We should have fun with this life. 
So underneath the shyness, I do remember a lot of good stuff. I was an innately happy child, just not content, I would say, because there was always a baseline anxiety that was at the surface, because that was my prime filter in life, was shyness. And shyness entails, how are people perceiving me? How are people thinking about me? You know, it's all to do with everything I've undone. Why so much thinking? Why too much thinking? How is this helping? How is this not helping? And I did learn over time. But underneath that, I knew I was watching myself. I never got so lost in mind that I didn't know who I was. And this is something I'll describe more deeply later. And I knew who I was only because of a feeling. Just being calm, just enjoying the moment for no reason at all. There were a couple points in my youth that were special. I remember one time in grade six, in the schoolyard, we were out on morning break, and there was a new girl in school. Her name was Sherry, and she was an amazing athlete. She was really pretty. Everyone liked her. She was a bit of a tomboy, and she could run. She loved to just doing things, you know, playing catch, running in the schoolyard, and I saw her running one day, and I, I looked at how she was running, and to me there was something different about it, and then I tried it. I remember being all by myself in the middle of the schoolyard, and I stood there, and I leaned forward as if I was going to fall. I had my arms down by my side, and I just started running, head and chest first, and I felt transcendent. I felt like I was running like the wind. I ran, and then I stopped, and I looked around because I thought everyone would be looking at me because I was the fastest person they ever saw, and they had never seen anything like it because that's how it felt to me. But no one looked. No one saw. Of course, I was shy, so I didn't tell anyone. Days went by, and I tried to do it again. And I did the running part again, but I didn't get the associated feeling. I now know in looking back that that was a transcendent moment. That was a quantum moment, as someone like Wayne Dyer would say. Because it was a feeling of utter freedom for no reason. There was no thought going on. I was doing nothing but being a sensory being, experiencing the moment. And so that went away, and for years I would wonder about it. I even tried it again here and there, but nothing happened. Many years later, I was about 15, and I was uh, sitting in a chair in the living room in my house, our house. I didn't own a house, of course. My parents' first house, actually. And it was a summer, summer day, a warm summer day. I had been outside playing basketball, you know, which I found exhilarating. I could shoot, uh, shoot hoops with myself all day long and have a good time. I went inside. I was listening to some music. The order of the day that summer was either the Beach Boys or Men at Work or Roxy Music. My brother-in-law had made me a tape with uh, Men at Work on one side and Roxy Music on the other, and I was completely enamored with both. I was sitting in the chair after having listened to music. I remember it was getting on to early evening, so dusk, and I could see the sunlight coming in through a window in the corner, and you can see the dust in the air. You know, the moment where you know time kind of stands still, and you can see everything, and you're, you're aware that the air has so much more in it than you thought it did, because you don't often see the air in that light. And as I sat there, my mind emptied, 
and I had this profound feeling that someday I was going to be able to explain something like that air, something that can't be seen, something that is there, that we all do feel or want to feel about ourselves, about life, that hasn't been well explained before. And this feeling went on for a little while, and I felt very, very energetic, spine-tingling, for about 15 or 20 minutes. And I couldn't shake the feeling that it was this was something that was really very real, very profound, and that something was going to happen someday. What that thing was, I wouldn't. How could I have known? I hadn't been on any sort of religious or spiritual experience or journey at that point. Beyond the experience of knowing who I am, which had happened at a few points here and there in life. So that came and went. I would think about it now and then, but again, I would be just living my life most of the time, often in uh, a state of low low stress. It wasn't like I was stressed out all the time, but you know, anytime I had plans to go meet people, even just to go to school in the morning, I kind of had to get myself psyched up every day for years to be around people. The irony being, I love people. I love hanging around people, watching people, being involved and engaged, having conversations, listening in on other conversations. And by doing that, my shyness actually gave me a profound tool for inner growth, and that is the ability to listen, to make things about something other than myself, and to try and understand what's going on around me for the sake of understanding it, not for personal gain. And that's something I recommend highly as a practice to get over ourselves, whether we're shy or not, in order to see the world as it is. And as you'll see, although this is the first talk, I'll be talking for years about this, and the key core message will always be the same. How are we disconnected from reality? The reality within ourselves and the reality between ourselves and the world around. And what is that feeling? And what should the feeling be? If we were just aware of ourselves in the moment with no ulterior motive. So to continue the story, I went on for years being shy. Eventually in my 20s, I got kind of tired of being so shy because I had stomach aches. I had, you know, problems with actually making fundamental decisions about, you know, who I was going to be with. My partner at the time I was happy enough with, but I knew I wasn't fulfilled on a deep level because I wasn't fulfilled with myself. I even went to the doctor at one point, you know, to assess whether or not I had IBS. And of course the doctor told me I did. And yet I was looking at the doctor and I remember from behind my eyes sending him the message, I know this is all bullshit. It's in my head mostly. Of course a little bit of it was my diet at that point, but most of it was stress. It was low level stress between me and me for not taking responsibility for being authentically happy, not telling my partner, hey, we've got some problems here, we need to talk. And for allowing that to happen. But of course, a shy person allows a lot to happen because the outside world dictates your state of being when you have a filter in your head that's constantly monitoring who you are as compared with the world around. And so that had to go. After that doctor's visit, I did realize I need to do something and it's just between me and me. This is an inside job. And so I did. I learned to reframe my thinking. I started challenging myself to do things despite being shy. In other words, going out, being around people, being saying things, speaking my mind, 
and I re had to realize that you, if you do it authentically, you can live with the consequences. Whether you're right or wrong, whether you express yourself well or not, if you at least try, that's the success in itself. So years of doing that, literally years, allowed me to become more relaxed about it. To the point where on New Year's Eve 1996, I made the final decision at that point, and I said to myself, you know, having never been huge on New Year's resolutions before or since, that New Year's Eve, I said, you know, I need to do something. I need to take complete responsibility for my happiness. And at the time, I did say my happiness, whereas now, I say my contentment, my satisfaction with self. The, the fundamental difference being, satisfaction and contentment encompass the positive and the negative. Whereas happiness is more of an idea. Satisfaction is a feeling. And as you'll see, everything I talk about is learning to distinguish between the two and knowing where it comes from. And satisfaction, for me, meant do what you need to do to express yourself honestly and be okay with it, irregardless of the outcome, as long as the intention is honest and comes from core values of being kind, not wanting to hurt others, then you can live with that. And that's what I told myself. You know, Steve, you owe it to yourself. Not even you deserve it. You just owe it to yourself. And honestly, I've learned that I owe it to the world around me as well, because I'm a better me for the world around me when I'm being honest, when I'm being authentic. The counterpoint to that being, I never meant to be dishonest. But as a side effect of just being shy, sometimes you do. tell little white lies. Sometimes you do omit information to make yourself feel better, to make others feel better. So on that New Year's Eve, that was the beginning of what would be an arc of about 16 years of inner work, as you would call it, without it being a spiritual arc or spiritual journey. I don't recall once, if at all, saying I'm on a spiritual journey. To me, it was much more important to look at this as being human. How authentically human can I be, encompassing all that a human is? And so over those 16 years, I've learned what a human is, through and through. To the point where I'm pretty sure I'm going to explain it in ways that haven't been fully explained before in such simple terms. Practical, pragmatic ways of knowing and feeling this experience. I'm going to say it's dreadfully simple, but I can only say that now that it's been dreadfully simple for me for seven years. But I know everybody, for the most part, is chasing that, and any disconnect from that is what leads to mental and emotional challenges, things we'll call diseases in this society. I had one more deeply profound experience, which will require a, a talk of its own to go through the details. But the breakthrough for me, the final breakthrough, came for me in 2014 when I was contemplating something one evening after having spent time here and there in the months previous contemplating what is this feeling that is innate to all life. The question I asked myself for a while is what would nature be what would nature think 
nature being everything but a human being, even though we are nature as well. But in order to learn what the foundation is, what the fundamental consciousness is within all things, I started contemplating that in the evening as I went to sleep. And there was a couple times where I got this spine-tingling feeling, this lightness in my chest, where I felt like, wow, I'm almost completely letting go to the point where I'm going to understand. And then one evening, in January 2014, it happened. I was lying there in bed, I was contemplating, and as I contemplated, I pictured a bear walking in the woods. And I didn't become that bear, but I was so innately connected to the perspective of it that it seemed that way. And in this contemplation, not to be confused with a meditation or a trance or something like that, I was fully aware of what I was doing, but it was like I was watching myself do it because I came disconnected from Steve. You know, Steve had left the building and me and this bear were just uh, experiencing life on real terms. And I was feeling the bear incapable of putting thoughts to words, but if I can explain it, it's that the thoughts were of the bear seeing the nature around and assessing it and knowing that there's a path to the right, there's a path to the left. We could hear a stream far off to the left. I could hear the wind rustling through. In the experience, the words weren't there because they weren't needed. But I knew what they were because I'm a human being that has a brain that encompasses knowing words in order to communicate. But the feeling was so deep and profound in this contemplation that I knew at that point words aren't necessary. Labels aren't necessary. Identification through the mind is not necessary in order to experience life. And after about, I'd say, 15 or 20 minutes in that calm state, I opened my eyes in the bedroom. The lights were off, the door was open a crack. My partner, my girlfriend of the time, was sitting in the living room. I opened my eyes, I went to the door and opened the door a crack, and everything was sparkling, everything was glowing, everything was more crisp in detail than it ever was before. You know, in the proverbial experience of seeing things for the first time because the perspective had changed. That perspective that I felt with my whole being in the contemplation with the bear didn't go away. It translated to the world. In other words, my mind was still off. Nothing around me needed to be labeled, needed anything from my mind. It just needed my being to experience it. And so I was sensing everything as it really is. I looked around the corner and saw my girlfriend sitting there and I looked at her and I looked at the room and I didn't want to speak. I didn't really have words. I wanted to remain in this state. I was a little wondering if I start speaking, is my mind going to just take over again? So I just said to her, I'm going to go for a walk. So I put on my shoes and coat and I went out the door and I walked around the neighborhood. And it was, again, in a proverbial sense, as if I had walked the street for the first time ever. 
and it felt amazing to be alive. I knew what everything was, but I didn't need to... My mind didn't even go to the extent of going street, street name, house number, tree type, because being a horticulturist, I know all the tree type names by Latin and common name. Nothing came to mind, because I realized it wasn't necessary for my mind to add anything at all to this moment. By virtue of the fact that I was an adult human, I understood the world around me already compartmentalized, already stored as information in my mind. And because I had no goal, no agenda, I was just outside walking. I didn't have a destination. My mind had no reason to think. There was no reason for additional input. I went home, and I started writing. Now, I had wanted to be a writer in some capacity all my adult life. Starting in childhood, I enjoyed telling little stories, writing poems. Off into high school, I wrote for the school newspaper doing sports for a little while. In university, I took business for the first couple years, which I did not thoroughly enjoy, even though I learned from it. And I took a couple creative writing courses, and those were by far my favorite. In business school in Canada, back at Carleton University, again, didn't really enjoy all the economics courses related, but as soon as it came to marketing, Wow, I loved words, and I loved creating, so I enjoyed that. Being in bands, I've written lyrics, I've done a lot of writing, some journaling, over the years. I've written so many songs, I still will have to work on those for years. I've written short stories for newspapers, contests, I've won a few. <laughs> I just enjoy words, I enjoy expressing myself. I actually wrote a pretty complete book back in the year 2000, um, and came to Vancouver to meet with Eckhart Tolle's publisher about the book, and the meeting fell through. And it's a good thing it did, because even though the book has a lot of good stuff and some truth in it, it's not nearly what's going to happen now. Because I wasn't nearly capable of expressing the feeling of being from an authentic place 100% of the time until 2014. Now, starting in 2014, I began writing. About a week in, I had written the majority of what's going to be the first book, Illuminating the Disconnect, which is all about shedding light on how we came to be what we are. Not the individual who we are, that's for each of, for each of us to decide. But what we are, that's universal. A human is a human is a human. We're fundamentally capable of being the same and functioning the same because of our biology, our psychology, and our spirit. And that's a fact, and that's what I'll be speaking to. I wrote every day for about four and a half years, something. I've got many books in the works, lots of audio, and yet it didn't come to fruition and get finished in all that time because of some physical challenges, some lifelong things that'll be talked about, again, in another podcast relating the mind-body spirit connection, and what my uh, deepest challenge physically has been in this lifetime with regards to, you know, diet, um, and other challenges. I'll go into that in another podcast, not important now. That got put on hold as I investigated those things for the last, I'd say, two, two and a half years, 
and got my energy back to a level where I can do this all the time. Because this is all my spirit wants to do all the time, is talk to you all. Talk to all my friends in the world. And yes, I consider everyone a friend until I'm given a reason not to. And it has to be a pretty big reason not to. So, this is it, folks. I'm 54. Today is my birthday. And this is just the beginning. Can you imagine that? Anything can happen, anytime. And it starts with you. Friends, if you'd like to support the podcast and support this guy, Steve Alat, in doing this full-time, it doesn't take much. Steve is here just to do this, primarily, and also just to eat, sleep, and interact with the other humans and other life on a day-to-day basis. I want nothing from this life that I don't have right now. And so any money I get in excess of that will always go back into helping in whatever way I'm able to contribute. And you can contribute to an account that I have set up at LibraPay, L-I-B-E-R-A-P-A-Y, under the name Steve Alat, capital S-T-V-E, capital A-L-L-A-T. Or you can also find me on PayPal under my email address, steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com, and at Stripe, using the same email. If you have any questions, send me an email, steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com. I would love to hear from you and uh, respond in kind. Take care.